Good morning. I'd like to welcome you again. And uh, as you know, Pastor Charlie's out of town. He'll be out of town for the next uh, three weekends. And uh, during that time, the pastors on staff are going to be going through the book of Ephesians, like Pastor Sean said. So for the next six teachings, two more weekends and the three Wednesdays, we're going to be going through a chapter each session. If you come on Sundays and Wednesdays, in three weeks you will have gone through the book of Ephesians. And um, we're hoping that uh, many of you show up because it's a good way to, to just go through that, that whole book and, and, uh, and it gets you reading. Because you can read ahead, you can be prepared. So um, we invite you to attend and, uh, and join us. I'll be doing today. Pastor Sam will be doing Wednesday. Pastor Sean will be doing chapters three and four. Pastor Tom will be doing chapter five and then I'll be closing it out with chapter six. If you would, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 17. And uh, we're going to read verses 10 and 11. Then when the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea, when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. I encourage you that when you go home, that you would open your Bibles and that you would search the scriptures and check me out. Check everything that I've said, everything that I've taught, and make sure that it's correct. You know, don't just accept what I teach or what anybody teaches, but go home. Be a Berean. Check it out for yourself, okay? Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you so much for this day, for your blessings. We do lift up our team in Houston, Father. We lift up Florida, Lord, all the citizens there, Lord, that uh, you would bless them, watch over them, Father, and that many would come to know you as Lord and Savior. And Father, we ask you that you touch each one of us today. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Open our hearts, our minds to receive your word, Lord that you would touch me, Lord, that I would give out your word faithfully, Lord. Lord, touch us now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. When we're flying, there are many times that the pilot will point out certain points of interest. You know, as we're flying over the Grand Canyon, they'll say, on your right, there's the Grand Canyon. You look out and it, it's like a little hole in the ground, you know. Or he'll point out a city and, and it's just, I mean, you, you go over it in seconds. And sometimes I, I look out and I see the desert and it looks so smooth. 
so smooth that it, there's no ripples, nothing. But that's at 30,000 feet. We know that when we, get, when we land and we go out in the desert, there's dunes, there's mesquite bushes, there's cactus, there's all sorts of things. And it's not smooth. Well, what we're going to be doing, in essence, is we're flying over 30,000 feet over the Bible. I'm not going to be able to teach you, none of us are going to be able to teach you the whole book of Ephesians. You know, all the little nuances, all the little teachings, all the little, all the big doctrines. We're not going to be able to get into everything, but we're going to give you an overview. And we're going to bring out some of the doctrinal issues. We're going to bring out some of the things that Paul said. Now, as you know, there are many things going on in the world today. You know, you've got North Korea that's threatening to use nuclear weapons on, on American territories and on South Korea. Israel bombed Syria the other night. ISIS is still a major threat. Al-Qaeda, the Middle East situation could, could start a third world war. There was a major earthquake off the coast of Mexico the other night. And earthquakes have been occurring in unlikely places, Iowa, there are major wildfires and forest fires in the USA and around the world. And then we have hurricanes Harvey, Irma, Jose, Katie develop one right after the other. All of these things have, have, have thrown people into a frenzy. And it really has occupied most of our thoughts. There are those, especially those great Bible um, students in Hollywood who, who say that all of this has been triggered because God is judging the U.S. for electing President Trump. So I'm serious. There are those who are pointing to climate change, of course, as the culprit. And there are many who are blaming God for all this. They, they say that if God were truly a loving God, he could, he could stop all of this. He wouldn't allow these things to happen. And where is God in all of this? So if you would, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 21. We're going to cover verses 7 through 15. So they asked him, saying, Teacher, but when will these things be? And what sign will there be when these things are about to take place? And he said, Take heed that you do not be deceived, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time has drawn near. Therefore, do not go after them. But when you hear of wars and commotions, do not be terrified, for these things must come to pass first. But the end will not come immediately. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes in various places and famines and pestilences. And there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. But before all these things, they will lay hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake, but it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony Therefore, settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom 
which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. Even back at that time, they were asking, is this the end? Are we at the end? And Jesus said, you know, all these things are going to happen. They're going to happen. Jesus spoke of many of the events that are happening today. And Pastor Charlie has been going through the book of Ezekiel, taking us through the prophecies in Ezekiel, and, and letting us know that a lot of these things, many of these things are being set up today. Prophecy is being fulfilled. With all that is going on in the world, with all that is, all the earthquakes, the, the hurricanes, the, the rumors of war, it's very easy for us to be distracted, discouraged, and, and even scared of what could happen. Our focus can easily be taken off of what is really important. And what, what is really important? Well, open your Bibles to the book of Revelation. And we find the church of Ephesus being mentioned in Revelation chapter 2. And we're going to go verses 1 through 5. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and then found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience, and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. In the book of Revelation, we find that Jesus has commended them for many things. But we also find that the church of Ephesus had gotten so busy doing the works for the Lord that they have left their first love. And in today's world, we, like the Ephesian church, we get so busy. We get so busy with our work, with our kids, with our families, and then we get busy with the news, the internet, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TV, movies, sports, and other diversions that we too have left our first love. We forget that we need that time alone with our Savior. We forget that our Creator, God the Father, wants to speak to us through His Word. We pray, if we remember to pray, for our meals and, and little else sometimes. We allow the world to, to shape our thoughts and our morals. We find that, that Sometimes maybe we feel that the Holy Spirit is kind of old-fashioned. And he's not speaking to us today in this modern world. I mean, if everybody else is doing it, it must be right. Even though the Bible says it's wrong. And we find ourselves being challenged. We don't want to rely on the Holy Spirit to guide us 
because we now know better. And I ask you, for the next however long it takes, let's resolve to return our minds, our hearts, and our lives to our first love, Jesus Christ. And let's shut out the world as we go through these studies. And let's allow God to speak to us as we read his word. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this letter is written by Paul. And as you know, for a period of time, Paul persecuted the church. He was not a follower of Christ. He was not one of the first apostles. After Jesus died, Paul, whose name was Saul, was known as Saul of Tarsus, hated Christians. He hated the way. He hated, and he was even there when Stephen was stoned to death by that Jewish mob. But God had a greater calling for him. And, and you all know this. You all know how Paul accepted the Lord. You all know what happened. He was on the Damascus Road. He was heading to Syria to, to arrest more Christians. And a great light hit him, and Jesus spoke to him. He was blinded for several days, and, and during that time, Jesus spoke to him. He showed him who he was, who Jesus was. And he showed Paul what was going to happen in, in his life. And it's this Paul who has had this tremendous conversion, who has come to know Jesus Christ, who now says, I'm an apostle. And because Jesus named him as an apostle, he, like the other apostles, was chosen by Jesus. Paul had no idea that he was going to be serving Jesus when he undertook that mission on the Damascus Road. And it's this Paul, called to be an apostle by the will of God, that is writing this letter. He's writing to the saints who are in Ephesus. Now the word saints refers to the holy ones, those who have been set apart. Like the believers in Ephesus, each one of you, each one of us who has accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior is a saint. We've been set apart. We're the holy ones. And we have been made holy. We're not, we're not holy because of our works. We're not holy because anything we do or anything that we don't do. We've been made holy by the blood that was shed for us on the cross at Calvary. It is the blood of Jesus Christ that makes us holy. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that we can be called saints. Now, I, I know in my life that it was a problem for me to be called a saint. I mean, a saint had to be, um, you had to do miracles. And, um, but we're saints. And accept that. You're a holy one. Again, not because of 
how you live or it's because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. In verse two, we find what I believe are some of the most comforting words that have been written. Grace, unmerited favor to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Before I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ, before we came to know the Lord, I was at war with God. I was doing my own thing and, and trying to earn my salvation by vainly following my own version of the law, the Ten Commandments. And I say my own version because the Ten Commandments are the Ten Commandments. But I was trying to follow them and, I, and I'd break every one every now and then. And I, and I would comfort myself in saying, well, at least I didn't kill someone. You know, I haven't broken all ten. I didn't commit adultery. You know, I, I choose ones that I hadn't broken. But I didn't realize that by trying to do this myself, by trying to earn my salvation, that I was in essence denying the work that Jesus Christ had all fi already finished on the cross. When I asked Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior, when I yielded my self-works, it wasn't until that moment, that moment that I felt the grace, the mercy, the peace that could only come from knowing Jesus Christ. And that is what Paul is referring to in his greeting. Grace to each one of you believers and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Each one of you who is a follower of Christ knows and has received that grace and peace. He goes on in verses three. This is a very long uh, thought sentence actually. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. I tell you the truth. When I say that I, when I first read the book of Ephesians and I read this passage, I got lost. 
It, it, it was, I had to read and reread it. it because it's really all one thought. It's really all one sentence. And I had to break it up in, in sections in order to truly gain an understanding of what Paul was saying. So we'll do that right now because there, there's some very important things that Paul writes about that might raise some questions. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Paul lets us know that it's God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who, who has blessed us. And, and he's, what has he blessed us with? With every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. It is for us in Christ to receive every spiritual blessing. And, and let's be sure that, that we should be seeking spiritual blessings. The only way we're going to find fulfillment in our lives is when we seek the spiritual blessings that are to be found in following and doing all for Christ. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, in, in our world today, we can be, we can be caught up in, in looking for a material blessing from God rather than spiritual blessings. Even in many churches today, there's a push to, to equate material gains with spiritual blessings. The more you give, the more you get. The more you do, the more you get. And many are so busy amassing this material wealth that their eyes and their hearts have been turned away from following their first love. You know, it, it happens to some of us too. We want that new car, we want the bigger house. We want the larger television. NFL season's here. You need that 70 inch, you know, so you can be there. And you can't just have that 70 inch television because those speakers are too small. You need a sound system. I mean, you need to hear the crunch of the popcorn from the crowd. You, you need, when they hit, you need to hear it. Yes. Oh, but I've got to work overtime to get that. I'll work Wednesday. Wednesday night, I can do that. Because we've got football Monday, we've got football Thursday, we've got football Friday, Saturday and Sunday. I got Wednesday, I can do that. And we're amassing these, these things, these... You know, God's gonna understand. But we're so busy amassing this wealth that our eyes and hearts have been turned away from following the first love. It's so easy to be turned. Yet we need to wake up. We need to come back to that first love. Remember the joy that you had when you got saved? Remember that? Do you have it now? Have we lost touch with our Lord and Savior? We're, we're 
to seek those spiritual blessings. And we need to get into God's word. And we need to find out what, what is it that he wants us to do with those spiritual blessings. Now, not everyone is called to be a pastor or a missionary. God has blessed each one of us with spiritual gifts for us to use in the place where he has us. I've known blue-collar workers who have led more people to Christ than many pastors, office workers who have come to know Jesus Christ just by the example that has been set by a Christian in their office. You see, we need to use, we need to find out what those spiritual blessings are that God has for us and use them. In James chapter 4, verse 8, James writes, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. As James writes, we need to draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Don't let the world influence you. Don't, don't let the world take us away from drawing near to God. As he says, let's repent of our sins, purify our hearts. Let God use us wherever he has. Let's go after those spiritual blessings. Paul was used in a prison cell. This letter was written from prison. Let's seek those spiritual blessings wherever we are. Verse four, in Ephesians, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In the beloved. Now to me, I find no problem with what I have just read. How many, however many people have found this to be a very controversial uh, passage and, and they even question God. But I, I'm, I, I feel more like like David in 2 Samuel chapter 7 verse 18 it says then King David went in and sat before the Lord and he said who, who am I O Lord God what is my house that you have brought me this far and, and there's many times that I have prayed and asked God the same question a very similar question who, who am I, Lord, that you chose me? Why, why me, Lord? I see other people that, that seem holier, that do more. Why me? And that's what, what David was saying. What makes me so special that, that you've done all this for me? Why have you chosen me? I am nothing special. Well, for, for some people, this thought of being chosen by God before the foundation of the world and being predestined to adoption as sons, it's, it's a very troubling thought. I don't understand why. To me, the thought that God, before the foundation of the world, before anything was created, he chose me. He knew my heart at that time. He knew my mind. He knew all the things that I was going to do, and yet, he said, I choose you. 
And he's chosen each one of you who has, come, who has come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I have no problem with that. I can only tell you that Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote this. It's truth. God chose each one of us before the foundation of the world. Now, imagine that. Imagine, before anything was created, you were chosen. He knew us. I think the only problem that I have is that there are times that I feel I am so undeserving of that love and, and that mercy. And, and there's people that, you know, they, they get upset because they say, well, if God chose you, then you have no free will. I want to choose God. And how do I reconcile free will and, with, and being chosen? Tell you the truth, I don't. I don't. God says he chose me. Jesus Christ said he died for all the world. I have no problem with it. You know? The arguments that they have are with God. For me, God chose me. I'm a sinner. I was a sinner. I am a sinner. And I'm not even going to ask him if he made a mistake. I'm going to thank him. And in my struggles to try and live a life pleasing to him, I'm going to praise him for choosing me. I know it's a very simplistic way of looking at it. It's a very important doctrine, but I'm not a scholar and I don't have a great desire to argue with God. In Isaiah 55, verses eight and nine, Isaiah writes, for my, God speaking, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways my way, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts and your thoughts. God is God. We, we can't put him in a box. We can't say, well, God is this way, but he's not this way. God, God is God. Now, Paul goes on and he says that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. When I first read this, I was like, whoa. Uh, holy and without blame before him in love. In my eyes, I blew this the first day after I got saved. And I've blown it every day since I got saved. It, it was a point of guilt for me until I learned and accepted that no matter how much I try to live for Christ on my own, I'm going to fail. It is not until I realize and accept that my holiness, my blamelessness does not come from what I do or don't do, it comes from the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. It's his blood. And I look forward to that day when I don't sin. But to tell you the truth, that's gonna be the day that I die and I'm in heaven. Until then, we're gonna sin. 
and we're adopted. Pastor John Corson, he's a, he's a Calvary Chapel pastor, one of the um, originals, one of the old guys, wrote this regarding our adoption. We are accepted because we're in the beloved. We're in Christ. It doesn't matter how you feel about yourself. You don't have to take your spiritual temperature hour by hour. You don't have to wonder, am I hot? Am I cold? How am I doing? You don't have to go through the kind of introspection that will inevitably set you up for spiritual depression. If you understand the simple principle that you are embraced, not because of who you are, but because of where you are, you're in Christ. And once you accept this truth, you will enjoy your relationship with the Father in a new way. You'll throw away your spiritual thermometer. You'll quit analyzing how you're doing. And you'll rejoice that you are simply, totally, wonderfully in Christ. It is because we're in Christ that we're adopted. It is because we are in Christ that we have been accepted. It is all because of God that we've been chosen. In Ephesians, continuing in Ephesians, verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. As we go on, we see that Jesus, that in Jesus we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. He redeemed us with his blood. We have been forgiven of our sins. He lavished his grace upon us with all wisdom and understanding. In verses 9 and 10, Paul talks about the mystery of his will. What, what is this mystery? You see, to the world, what happens, happens. There is no eternal purpose. The mystery of his will is that it all has a purpose. We talk about the prophecies and how the Lord will soon return. Well, to us Christians, we can see there is a purpose and a plan. There is a plan. God is bringing all things together on heaven and earth. And when all things come to an end, all things will be in Christ. See, that's the purpose. That, there is a purpose to gather everything under Christ. In verses 11 and 12, it says, In him we have also obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. It's in Jesus Christ that we have obtained this inheritance. He writes that we were predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Who is this? It's, it's God. We were predestined by God for his purpose. It was by the counsel of his will. 
he didn't ask anybody for advice. He didn't ask, well, should I choose James or, or not? He didn't ask him. It was, he advised himself. We don't have the mind of God. But God, again, he's, he's doing it all. There's a purpose. I just want all the grace and mercy that God wants to send my way. All of it. In him, verse 13, in him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. When we came to the Lord, we heard the word, the gospel of salvation, and made the decision to believe in Jesus Christ. At that moment, we were sealed by the Holy Spirit. That seal is a guarantee of our inheritance in Christ until we get to heaven. Each one of us has been sealed. Think about that. Nothing, nothing can unseal you. The Holy Spirit is what is our seal. Going on, verse 15. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, did not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over the, all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. As we're coming to the end of our study today, we see that Paul writes that he has heard good reports about the Ephesian church's faith in Jesus and their love for the saints. This is a powerful reminder that that we shouldn't be so heavenly minded that we were no earthly good. In other words, we need to have a balance. We need to have a balance in our faith, in our works. And we need to have a balance in, in our faith, our works, and our lives. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus and on the needs of the saints. The Ephesian church was busy doing all these things. Paul commended them for their faith and he thanks them and he prays for them that God would give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Paul's prayer is in essence that the Ephesian church would have wisdom and understanding given to them by God and that their eyes would be open to know the hope of God's calling for them and the greatness of God's power 
towards the believer, which was shown in Jesus Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heaven. See, Jesus is seated over everything and everyone in the past, present, future. And remember, this is, Paul's commending them. He's saying, I'm praying for you guys. I'm making mention for you in my prayers. This chapter closes with the fact that God has put all things under Jesus Christ. And God has made Jesus Christ over all things pertaining to the church, which is his body. It is in Jesus that we find peace and comfort. It is sitting at the feet of our Savior that we are going to find true fulfillment. There's nothing, nothing that can fill the empty spots in our hearts other than Jesus Christ. All things have been placed at Christ's feet. In him we have an inheritance and a power that is unimaginable. If we're struggling with sin, with depression, or anything that is keeping us from our first love, which is Jesus Christ, we need to go to the cross. We need to avail ourselves of that power because it is God, it is Jesus Christ that can lift those things from us. He can turn us from sin. All we have to do is ask. We need to go to the cross. We need to lay all the things that are keeping us from communing with God. We need to lay them at his feet. As I told you, we were going to fly over 30,000 feet. As you can see, we, we couldn't hit everything. In closing, all, all these things that are going on in the world, the crazy weather, the earthquakes, the, the crazy world leaders, people wanting to ban Christianity, God is still on the throne. All these things can take our eyes off of the Lord. Put your eyes back on the Lord. Get back to that first love. You know, Paul, Paul wrote this epistle while he's in prison. But what does he do? He's not lamenting of what the prison conditions and all these. Wait, wait, see, he's pointing people to Jesus. He's pointing to the church of Ephesus and pointing them to Jesus. And he says, pray for one another. Love one another. Keep your eyes, your heart, and your mind on Jesus Christ. You know, let's, let's purpose to walk in his will. And I know it's difficult, okay? It's difficult to, to set time aside. But you need to do it. We need to do it. You know, the, we, we set time aside for all the, the new shows that are coming on television, you know? The new season starting of, te of television, NCIS, NCIS New Orleans, NCIS, everything. You know, it, when we set time aside for these things, we'll set time aside for God, okay? And, and when we walk in His will and with Him, we can just say, no worries. No worries. 
God's on the throne. God is in control.